Hey, what's up, Michelle Missionaries? This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. Uh, due to the nor'easter snowstorm that blanketed the uh, mid-Atlantic states, uh, Vince and I were unable to get together to record a new episode of the Michelle Mission, or as planned, the second episode of The Binge Lounge, where the two of us sit down and talk about TV, past, future, and present. We hope to be able to get that episode of The Binge Lounge up and out there to each and every one of you uh, real soon. Next week, we will be returning to movie reviews as we review 1976 Bingo Long's Traveling All-Star and Motor Kings with noted baseball superfan, Kennedy Allen, a.k.a. the Storm Tribble of Black Tribbles. That's going to be a lot of fun next week here on the Michelle Mission. For tonight and for this week, I ask you to enjoy a return to the first episode of the Binge Lounge, where me and Vince sat down to talk about the 2016 Black television renaissance. Everything that was going on and everything that was like... Ugh, in television in 2016 from Atlanta, Insecure, Queen Sugar, and Blackish, Greenleaf, and more. Hope you enjoy this very robust, enjoyable, crazy show mission diversion uh, where we step from the main cars of the show mission and settle down inside the binge lounge until next week put some sunshine on your face i got mine go get yours and in parting we say peace What's up, everybody? How I'll let your boy. This is Len, aka the Bat Triple, and I am here with uh, this is Vincent Williams. It's All Soul, eight to ten on Wednesdays, G Town Radio. I have a funny feeling we're going to see the return of Salt. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, as we um, welcome you to the inaugural edition of the Binge Lounge. The Binge Lounge. Me and Vince just getting it on about uh, black TV. Yeah. Now, when we came up with this idea for the show mm -hmm. originally the idea was to do a show where we would maybe review black television shows right and in a different show with each episode right right and almost gonna, like we do the michelle mid where we concentrate on a movie we would right. do like a season exactly because i think we said a yes, season, a season. yeah we said like maybe like the first season of all these different shows or maybe critical seasons right right like shows. like we just finished taping uh um the episode about Action Jackson. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd love to do, like, you know, I think it's the, the fourth season of In the Heat of the Night, where they introduce Carl Weathers' character. Yeah, what, okay, 
All right. I'm, I'm going to put a pin in that. Okay. I'm going to put a pin in that just so that I can continue okay. the expo- uh, explaining that what we. Because you know I'll talk about in the heat of the night. We're going to. Okay. All right. Um, I just want to continue explaining to people exactly what happened uh, along the way. Okay. We determined that with this, especially this ongoing and current, for lack of a better word, black. Uh, uh, renaissance yes that is happening in television yes. over the last year or so yeah um there was just too many shows out there that we just wanted to immediately talk about right right some right, right on so we decided to and and because this is not going while well, it's going to be a regular show it's only going to be a monthly show right we decided to turn this over to just our conversation about TV at large. Right, right. Um, which will allow current us, t- current, right. Well, it'll be current TV, but yeah. I think we can also talk about past TV. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. you definitely talked about, you want to talk about all those very, very special episodes of like Ooh. good times. Arnold, I feel woozy. <laughs> That's my imitation of Dudley when he got drugged by the bike shop owner. Mm-hmm. Or, and then or, Arnold left him there. Or how about you just reference it on Action Jackson? You know what? When Debbie Allen... Arnold won shit. <laughs> Arnold just left Dudley in there. And Salty's in the room. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, he knew... He wasn't a motherfucker. He knew the bike shop owner was now about to start rapering. And Arnold just left Dudley there. Rapering? He came back and Dudley was sitting there in his t-shirt. And Dudley said, I feel woozy. I said, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> different strokes. It's different strokes. And maybe they should change the name of the show. Go ahead. These these strokes. <laughs> these strokes. God, this is terrible. This is way different strokes than last week. What you talk about, Willis? Right. What a gooch. <laughs> gooch. Like what? I got a I want to talk about the goose some more. I, oh I don't want to deal with this bike shop on. I ain't going to a bike shop for 15 years at that episode. <laughs> Everybody's scared to go into the water because of Jaws. You're scared of bike shops. Dudley said, Dudley said, I feel woozy. I said, whoa, what is happening? I'm sorry. <laughs> He did. He straight left him there. He just he wrote. I was like, how that supposed to be your dude? And you just gonna leave him with the raping bike shop owner, watching dirty cartoons and drinking wine. I just have this vision of you just passed out uh, the side of a road. It's like the it's like the regatta. <laughs> bicycle marathon let's go ride by hey man just woozy like oh, hey man that different strokes that was a tough episode I'm sorry go ahead <laughs> yes so so with that in mind we're going to talk about the um the black renaissance of television yes that we find yes. ourselves in yes however before we do that I shall now remove the pin. Yes. So that you can tell me and and I know we're going we're we're digging into the way back here for yes. some people here but um what is this fascination that you have with the uh, 
television series in the, the heat, heat of the, of the night. night. Sorry, okay. Carol O'Connor. Carol O'Connor and Howard Rollins. Yes. Initially. Yes. And and, and and based off of the movie. Based off of the, the film, which is one of my favorite films from the of 1960s. all time. 1960s with Sidney Poitier and Rod Steiger. Yes. And it was a remake. And you know, and how you know Howard Rollins is was just a fascinating kind of actor. His story because he really was being positioned. Yes, he was. As the the heir apparent to Sidney Poitier. And, you know, those of you who don't know, Howard Rollins actually grappled with drug addiction. And and a lot... (laughs) Grappled's not the word. I mean, you know, I'm trying, you know. And and he, you know, things kind of fell apart for him. Yeah. The crazy thing about In the Heat of the Night is that it was falling apart on tell like like he was making in the heat of the night while it was happening so like if you knew that howard rollins was dealing with this you could actually look at in the heat of the night and see from episode to episode like he was he was real kind of shaggy and and the acting was weird and you know they would have to write around him and he'd only appear in a couple of scenes and you know for someone like me that i like that part of it like i like you know the stuff going on behind the scenes yeah it was amazing watching it in real time yeah at the same time carol carol o'connor's son was struggling with drug addiction hugh o'connor hugh o'connor that's right hugh o'connor he he actually eventually died yeah and carol o'connor got him a job on the show on the show so you had both of these real life situations happening mm-hmm. right before your eyes right before your eyes on the show so you had that and then you you know you just had in the heat of the night it was like this nbc like we call them procedurals now yes but that's exactly what it was it was it was this weird because you know if you the, the original movie it's like there's like racism and classism and regionalism and all this stuff going on oh yeah and by the time you get to the and and, the, and, and by the time you get to like the third season of the television show They've sanded all the edges off so that it's not like I remember, I forget the the, the actor's name, but but the character Bubba mm-hmm. was set up initially as sort of this racist cop. Yeah. But, you know, by the time you get to the third or fourth season, like Bubba is one of the stars. You he's know, a big teddy bear. And part of the reason he's part, one of the stars is because Howard Rollins has fallen apart. Yes. Yeah, so and they've he got to rework the show. They've got to rework the show. So, and then, you know, it gets to the point where Howard Rollins just can't be on the show anymore right and they bring in carl weathers Mm. so now it's this whole different dynamic so you know i love these shows that kind of retool and put the you know that's Mm. all i mean that's a short version that's enough (laughs) we don't need anything more about it in the heat of the night if we never touch it on the heat of the night again on the binge lounge i will be happy because i did not like that show and i ain't even talking about Amory johnson you and Amory johnson keep going renaissance i'm gonna go so let's go let's go talking about this black renaissance that's been happening in television right now and now it should be noted that there have been other periods in the history of television where there have been significant um programs starring or by african-american or people of color right uh, on at the same time yes um, you can go back to the time of of the Cosby Show, when which then begat Different World. Yes, you can go back to the time of 
Um, even around that time when you had Martin and mm. then Living Single. Right, right. You can go to the early days of the WB where you had the um, was it the the Steve Harvey show. Yes, yeah, Steve Harvey had, had and I show. think Cedric had no. Cedric was on Steve. He was Harvey on the show. Steve Harvey show. But there was another show too. I seem to remember. Maybe it was. I don't. I can't. I seem to remember them being like a, a block of black TV shows at 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 one time. And all of those shows had um, one of one of the most common themes that a lot of them were were sitcoms. Yes, you know they were sitcoms. Even some of the more widely acclaimed, such as Rock, right, or right, the right, criminally one season of South Central, right, that that aired. Um, but we've never, or very few times, have we had dramas that were. Fully loaded, yeah. Unapologetically, as you like to say, unapologetically black. Yes. Um, and we have not just one. Yeah. And not just two. Yeah. There are there are more than a few unapologetically black television programs on that. Are extremely, extremely well made, nuanced, come from a distinct and distinctive and independent voice. Yeah. And make no bones or cut no corners in how they are presenting the world of being an African American. In the setting that they are set in, be it Atlanta, be it California, be it in a plantation mm-hmm. or a former plantation, right, or a sugar right. a sugar farm or what, what have you, um, be it Harlem, be it Harlem, yeah, um, be it the early days of hip hop, yeah, and they are, you know, uh, um, universally acclaimed. As great pieces of work, yes, that are on television, yeah, up it, and down. It's it's an amazing moment. It it really, really is. And the thing that that I uh, admire so much about it, and and you know we you, you know I think when when we when we talk about them, when people talk about you know they kind of say you, you know it's like what it's like Queen Sugar, Atlanta, Insecure, mm-hmm. Luke Cage. Like those are the four that are always sort of you know right dead center in the conversation right. but you know as you just said i think you can open it up you can include the get down yeah i think you can include blackish mm-hmm. i think you can include um you know something like green leaf yeah you had mentioned green leaf you yeah. know where i like that they're all wildly different shows mm-hmm. you you know and 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 all black but in their own way yeah like you know my black is not your black and that is it. It is. It's amazing. It is an amazing thing. And and the fact that you have these shows that that are sort of unapologetically black and don't hold your hand, yeah, is to me what is even more unprecedented. 
you, you know, I've, I'm, I'm a loud advocate of and sort of defender of the Cosby show and, and different world. But I do think, especially in terms of the Cosby show, there was always an aspect of it where someone had their hand out yeah. to lead you. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know about what we're talking about, yes, like you, you know, just an example. I always think of when we were when we were talking with Simone Missick, and and we talked about the use of the term soror, mm-hmm. which is a distinctly African American term talking about you know members of a sorority. Mm-hmm. There's an episode of the Cosby Show where Bill Cosby talks about being a member of a fraternity. Oh yeah, that's right. And it always stuck out to me because his phraseology was so awkward when he said it, a member of a fraternity. And it was like, oh, but he has to say that because he he can't say my frat brother. Yeah. Because there are people watching who don't aren't familiar with the world of black fraternities and black sororities. So to go from a member of my fraternity to you going to let your soror ski we out of here. Exactly. Is, you, you know, you, you very much see both authentically black, mm-hmm. but at but at the same time, they use their blackness in different ways. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, again, from show to show, you can see how how each of these creators kind of approaches that. I, I mean, you know, I think one of the things that I'm loving about Insecure Yes, the Issa Rae the Issa Ratio insecure is that you you know I'm black, Issa Rae is black, but Issa Rae is a millennial, so that there's so much that goes like I feel like I'm watching a distinct culture that I'm not a part of because you know I'm in my 40s and I'm not seeing a singleness and other, but you know I can I follow it yeah. Yeah, don't feel left out. I don't feel left out, and then you know, even though they're not holding your hand about it, like you said, you know what? And and you know, I know we we're going to get to the get down. I think one of the complaints or one of the critiques that I've read people say about the get down is how dense it is, and and you know, and sometimes I don't understand. But you know what? If you can take notes and read backgrounds, and you understand Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Or the Soprano, you know, there are all of these texts that have been dense that you have to kind of, you you know, you watch it twice or you watch it three times or they reference something, you know, obliquely that isn't part of the text on the screen and you have to figure it out. You know, right now I'm in the midst of like four different deep conversations about Westworld. Okay. You know, like I'm I'm one notepad away from having some stuff up on a cork board. <laughs> trying to figure out the timelines of Westworld. If you can do that, you can figure out the difference between Grandmaster Kaz and Grandmaster Flash. There you go. There so. you go. Yeah. And it it the um the shame of it is, you know, to be overrun with such uh riches mm-hmm. in what to watch that a show like the get down which came out earlier this year yeah is almost forgotten i know it's almost forgotten now me myself i watched the first couple of episodes of of the get down i thought that it was interesting but it didn't grab me Mm -hmm. all right um and that that's me but i could see what was happening i could see what they were going for i could appreciate what they were what they were doing i could and i could appreciate um that they that uh uh 
in their representation of the history of this music and of this culture that they were Baz Lauerman was taking a a more operatic sure uh, uh, approach to it and I like that it didn't re- it didn't touch me but I like that he was coming at it from a totally different perspective also it's from the perspective of it's the memory of children yes like they they were kids when this was right. happening exactly. like you know yeah so I I really I really do appreciate that I appreciate going that extra step to try and come at this from a diff- a a different viewpoint, a different vantage point with different um, uh, 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 um, uh, um, beats and 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 ways of engaging the audience in this story, in this history. And let's just call it what it is. People are dismissive of this approach to this music because it's hip hop. Yeah. If this was about rock. And, and, you know, again, this sort of, like you said, this kind of operatic, almost mythical retelling mm-hmm. of the origins of rock. Mm-hmm. Everybody would be right on board. Well, I'm, I well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Well, I guess maybe if it was operatic, because around the same time that The Get Down came, it came out, you had on HBO, you had Martin Scorsese and Mick Jagger doing um, vinyl. Vinyl, yeah, and vinyl, didn't. which was a more was was admittedly a darker, right? Exactly, um, more nihilistic right. viewpoint of the creation of hip hop and punk music, right? Um, so it it wasn't as inviting as the Get Down right. was, and thus it was not embraced, and it and it failed. It yes. was canceled. Um, I I do think, however, because that came out at around the same time, unfairly, get down kind of got wrapped up in that conversation, and that's why people maybe didn't give get down the chance that it it necessarily um, deserved. Also, it being well, you can't even hold Netflix it being on Netflix against it because being on Netflix. Certainly didn't hurt Luke Cage. Right, right, Luke right, Cage right. just blew. I mean, it's the show that broke the internet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And you know what I love about Luke Cage? Like, like it's sort of like, um, you, you know, a lot of these, these shows that were to, the shows with the black creators. Mm-hmm. You, you have this sort of, um, these are the visions of these black creators and they almost created whole cloth out of whole cloth. Right. Where, you know, um, you know, something like a queen sugar is, is, you know, Ava DuVernay's sort of, you know, based on the novel, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of her vision, you know, Atlanta is very much Donald Glover's, you, you know, sort of, um, sort of vision that he created whole cloth. Same thing with Issa Rae and Insecure. I think what I love about Luke Cage is is how it's it's almost intrinsically subversive like because it is luke cage and you know you and i are comic book dudes so you know you have these characters luke cage Cottonmouth, black mariah you know and these i mean these are corporate trademark characters Mm -hmm. you know they're in this billion dollar marvel movie universe yeah and it's like you have this completely black sort of um 
sort sort of uh they, they they it it sort of claims it like black we've claimed it mm-hmm. and it's set in this universe but now it's ours yeah so it is almost like you know again back to hip hop where you know the, the sort of history of hip hop and sampling and you take this sample but then you know and the sample was there but then you make something completely new out of it right and that's what i that's how they, i they sampled the marvel universe they sampled the marvel universe and then they made something completely new out like one of the joys for me is you know kind of showing my wife the antecedents for these characters yeah. and you know showing yeah. the old george tusca art of black mariah and and is like this black mariah 1978 mm-hmm. and you know and seeing how the show transformed that yeah. Into um not Angela Bassett. Um, no, Alfred Woodard. Alfred Woodard. Alfred Woodard. And you know, and everything that was done. Yeah. And and to me, what's more traditionally black than that? A side note, they did such a great job in that that there's a part of me that feels that feels a little let down. By Marvel editorial, putting out Jendi Tarakowski's um, Cage Cage, Cage comic yeah. book because while it, it while I understand it's played more for a comedic effect, sure, it definitely um, is set in that world of Luke Cage of the early seventies. Right. Well, are you reading Power Man and Iron Fist though? No, I'm not reading Power Man and Iron Fist, and I understand okay. the Power Man and Iron Fist is is a totally different take. I yeah. Understand it. But because Luke Cage, because Luke Cage the show was such a meteoric hit that right. it was, um, because they've all been hits. All the their Netflix series have been hit. Daredevil was a hit. Jessica Jones was a right. were hits, and and they were big hits uh, as far as um, as far as with critics and as as well as with fans. Right. But with Luke Cage, you have a show that is a hit critically, a hit with the fans, but also one that has become a cultural touchstone. Yes. And so much so that as much as everybody is, you know, anxiously awaiting, uh, awaiting the Black Panther film. Yes. It's only heightened more. Because of what Luke Cage is. Yeah. So that if Black Panther um, culturally leaves only half the footprint that Luke Cage has, it will be that it will be that much of a monumental um, thing in uh, in for us and in movies. But because Luke Cage has been so groundbreaking, that's all the more reason for me to play up the Power Man and Iron Fist. Right. And not to, in a way, play up, you know, what came before while I know you're doing it for comedic effect, yeah, it's a tr- it's it's a side thing. Like I don't I don't I think any I don't think anybody even knows about the Cage miniseries unless you're an actual comic dude in the shops. Well, I don't know, man, because you because Power Man and Iron Fist, as critically acc- the comic book, yes. as critically acclaimed as it is, 
There are not, when you go into the comic book stores, there are not big posters of Power Man and Iron Fist. True. There's big posters of what's happening in Spider-Man. There's big right, posters right, of right. what's happening in Avengers. There's big posters of Thor. The big poster hey, is Cage. Hey, I mean. It's just a side no, note. No, no, no. It's a side note, but I think that also is, that says something about, I mean, look, the comic shop customer. The, the 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 sort of I go to the shop every Wednesday customer mm-hmm. is not the people who have made Luke Cage a cultural phenomenon. Very true. So for that person, like again, that and and, and and you know, I think you and I are some of the relatively few people that fall into both camps. Okay, fair enough. You know, like I know that they're not checking for Luke Cage on Netflix like they're checking for Jindy Tartowski's cage. Right. I don't care. You know, I, I don't care. You. I feel you know. Just a side note. No, 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 I get it. And, and I get it. in the back of my head yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. Picking up the book. So I absolutely get it. it. But I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole different binge lounge. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, sort true. of the ongoing racism of comic culture. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, very true. We need hours for that. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, we also would need hours to dip. You touched on Insecure. Yes. On HBO. Now, you admittedly, because the season's not over. For it's it, The season finale is next week. It's next week. I've only watched, I think, maybe the first two episodes of Insecure. I'm all abo- I'm on board. Yeah. I absolutely adore this show. I feel the same way as you, that... You know, the, these are millennials yes. that are living living in this world. Um, so sometimes they make some references that maybe fl- fly over my head. Yes. But the acting and the writing is such that, and I'm not a nut, I can figure out what they're meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I can get down with it. But I am just... Uh, I like this movie because, uh, like, like uh, this series, because like all the rest of them, it's unapologetically black, but it is also unapologetically woman. Yes, it is, and it is a woman in from the the entire diaspora of woman is of is on screen in this. Um, in this series, you, you said you're not caught up, but but you, the, up. two of the main characters had an argument in the last episode. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most vicious fights I've ever seen on screen. Really, like 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 just vicious and mean spirited, and like I don't even know how you bounce back from it. And you know, I was talking talking to my wife about it. And she said, "No, that's that's it's real talk. That's a real like that's a woman fight." Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Like like that, like there is an authenticity and I agree with you, like these sort of like Issa Rae's voice and the voice of the women on this show, mm-hmm. you know, it is like you're getting a peek into something. Yeah. You know. You are. So and it, and it, and as a sitcom, it's there is as much as there is an authenticity to it, there definitely is a there definitely is an an arch to it as yeah. well. They're yeah. playing it for the for the comedy. Uh, as well, yet it's. I tried to watch 
this show that everybody says you need to watch on HBO called Girls. Oh, come on, stop! Don't we not don't we not even going to do that on on the binge lounge? Right? Ain't no reason to even talk about that. Everything okay. you everything you about to say, yes. Okay, all right. I just uh, okay. Then let me go here, and this may and this is. Just my feeling. Hand me somewhere talking about some dumbass Lena Dunham. <laughs> this is, th- I just want to say. Because I watched Tiny Furniture. I'm, see, I, see, I cut you off now. I'm going to talk. Because I watched Tiny Furniture. I did see that movie. And it was just tiny. What is this bullshit? <laughs> it was some bullshit. It was some mumblecore bullshit. Like, you want like to talk about people propping up. Like, yes. her entire career is a prop up. Yes. yes All right, is. go ahead. Yes, it is. So I saw Tiny Furniture, and those are two hours I'm never going to get back. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So let me say this, and, and, and let me be, if I can, for a moment, unapologetically a man. Please, please do. Issa Rae. Okay, easy. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Issa Rae has the prettiest smile. Oh. <laughs> I have ever yes, seen. yes, she does. I, I have it, the reason why I'm only on episode two. Is yeah, I get I get dumbstruck by her smile. And can I just say this? Since we're going to talk about physicality, I think it is so refreshing. The 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 sort of uninterrupted brown that you get on um insecure. Oh yeah, like like. I don't know if I've ever seen a television show with this many brown to dark brown black people mm. from scene to mm. scene to scene. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to reverse paper bag test nobody, but I do think it is worth pointing out that, that in the history out. of depictions of black people. Yeah. Insecure. You have two dark brown black women as the leads yes to dark brown black men as sort of the male counterparts yes and as you kind of as you go out into her concentric circles yeah it is very very brown Mm -hmm. and as you know somebody who watches television who watches movies who's very sort of hyper aware of representation and representations of black people it it is striking it is, really and I appreciate it. It does, and it it makes for um, to me um, one thing that all of these film, all of these films, Lord Jesus, that's how good they are. All of these series have in common is that they're gorgeous. Yeah, man, they are gorgeous, but the insecure. Had does have a a palette to it that because I know you always talk about the palettes of, of, of a lot of the things that we watch and th- there's a palette to um, insecure and I think it is because everything is bouncing off of those deep browns of the characters sure. in there yeah that just makes it really pop and sing with me man yeah I I re- I just really find myself um thinking like. This is a fantastic looking show. Yeah, I mean, you know, and if you're going, if we're talking about looks, what I thought you were going to say, you know, I am, I am absolutely in love with every single shot 
of Queen Sugar. Like you're talking about not being able to get through an episode. Like every single shot of every episode of Queen Sugar, you can damn near hold up your remote and hit pause on your DVR and print it out of a color printer and frame and that frame bag. it. Yeah, boy. This is the most beautiful television show I have ever seen. I have never in my life seen a television show from episode to episode as beautiful as Queen Sugar. Mm -hmm. The closest I can think, there used to be shots of tw in Twin Peaks. Okay. Where there was that that were just very striking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, but but I am I am I am in awe of how Ava DuVernay and her team are able to put together a show that looks like this. Yeah. We're not in, I'm talking about the story. I ain't talking about the acting. I ain't talking about nothing. I'm just talking about the the way the, the shots are framed. I'm yeah. talking about the color saturation. Talking about the color palette. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the the way the actors are on. And we we, we talked about this. Um, and I don't have the actress's name in front of me because we're, we're just freewheeling. Yeah, because we're going to go through the actors. You, you know, but um, the the sister who plays Nova. Who was on um that dumbass vampire show? <laughs> Rutina Wesley. She is distractingly beautiful. She is, man. They love this. The camera loves her mm -hmm. in this show. Mm -hmm. And you know, Ralph Angel, same thing. Yep. So, you know, it's like the two of them. Every shot that they're in is just, you know, breathtaking. And again, it's like, how do you do this for every episode every week? Moving from different directors. Moving director, from different directors director. to different directors. So women. Women directors. Yeah. Directors. So so there's that as well. There, and, you know, we'll get we'll get um, the story of Queen Sugar is just amazing. Cause let's let's put it out there. Queen Sugar is a soap opera. It's a soap. It's a soap. It. I mean, that's maybe a little reductive to say, but and a little sexist. Well, you think so? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm always well, hesitant to call well, something mean, created by. And, well, well, okay. Well, always, you know, always, I, I'll, I'll throw this back. What makes it a soap opera? It makes it a soap. It, what makes it a soap opera to me because it's because you have this uh, story of these people's. Lives in the in the interminglings of their uh, of their relationships and things like that, things that are akin to a soap uh, to a soap opera. Now, mind you, mind you, I'm saying I'm saying soap opera in just at at its at its at its core. I believe like a show that I don't know if you ever watched it, Rescue Me, which was about the firehouse, right, right, in, right, in New York City. That was a soap opera. So, so. Every was the, was the Sopranos a soap opera? Yeah. So you just call any type of ongoing narrative a soap opera? Because not necessarily. Because there are dramas that are ongoing narratives that aren't necessarily a soap opera. Like like most of those um, procedurals, they're not soap. Okay. Operas. Okay. Right. Blue right. Blood was not, right. Not right. A soap those, opera, those sort of even though it is kind of like those sort of CBS -y yeah, yeah case yeah. of the week. You find yourself right a kind of reassuringly good looking white dude in his fifties or early sixties, and then yeah. kind of put people around him, mm -hmm. and then they do stuff every week. Right. 
Those are not. That's Those not are not soap opera. That's not a soap opera. Okay. This is in in my mind. In my mind, as I'm watching this, I'm saying at the at the core of this, I, I to me, I, I'm not saying anybody has to agree no, with me. No, no, no. That I see it. I see the soap opera uh, vibe to it. Then on top of that, though, mm-hmm. on top of that is the the um and and it kind of plays into the whole soap opera aspect of it because you know you've got this it's all about you know um reclaiming the your your you know your family's business and right, remaking right. it up and and what that does to your family and everything like that but then on top of that is this this nuanced storytelling yeah that is happening in this in this show the areas that it goes to in black lives in african-american lives areas that many black dramas of of lesser quality also go to Mm -hmm. but they don't go to it with such a deft hand and touch yeah um or or with the uh, skillful acting, as yeah. This, as this show yeah. has, but the one, there's one thing that really stands out to me about this show, and we can touch on the we can touch on all of the actors you mentioned. Rutina, there's uh, Omar Dorsey, Omar Dorsey, who, who who just like killing it. Uh, Kofi Cerebo as uh, as Ralph Angel, yes. Tina Lefford, uh, Bianca Lawson, uh, yeah. Dondre Whitfield. <laughs> Who would have thought? Can I just tell you? Can I just tell you? Every week I watch it, and he starts doing that. Like he start doing his stuff. He, he like he start talking his stuff, and I go, "All right, Robert, I know. Go on, Robert. No, man. Do Vanessa know you putting the moves on other people like this? But he, but he doing work. He doing work. He is doing work. He's doing mad work. But the one aspect I, I. I is it, people who have listened to our latest episode of the Michelle Mission heard me going on and on and on about the incessant music in Action Jackson. Oh, talk. In this, in, in on, Queen stop. Sugar, in Queen Sugar, not only is the score and the music that is used in this uh, show as equally as breathtaking as you talked about the cinematography mm-hmm. of the scenes, but it's so smartly used, Michelle and Ochella. because it is it, it is it the music is never on top of the scene. Yeah, it it the music never tells you what the scene's supposed to be. You are watching the scene, feeling from the actors, feeling from the from the direction exactly what this scene is to tell you, and it is. Only then that you notice that there's some there's music that is set, helping set that tone. It, it's never on top. It is always like so perfect in the mix on this show that there are times when I'm watching it. It's like there's no music in this show. So, but this scene is so intense. Oh, there's that music. The, the yeah. intensity is there because I'm hearing the music now. I'm hearing it. It's making me feel it. 
and it's and and I went back and I and I watched um um uh Selma and I watched uh uh, uh middle, of, middle of nowhere middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and that is a hallmark of Ava DuVernay right. that, that is also indicative in those films and I would not be um surprised if that was like a like up on the bulletin board as a producer note from her. Right. You know, because that is what good storytelling is. I all mean, about. You, you know, again, kind of sticking to the, to these kind of main four, all, all of them, like their use of music, you, you know, whether you're talking about Adrian Young's work with the score and the different artists that they have on Luke, Luke Cage, Cage, whether you're talking about the extraordinary work that Donald Glover Ooh. does with all of the different Atlanta sounds mm-hmm. on Atlanta where you know like like he you know it, it just episode to episode he kind of builds all of of these kind of again very specifically Atlanta yeah sonic you know lands you know soundscapes if you will and and you know in the final episode it's like he's been holding it for the whole show and I remember when elevator starts playing you know outcast it's like i got kicked in the chest Mm -hmm. and it was like oh he saved because of course how else do you drop the mic if you're making a show about atlanta without bringing out outcast at the very end and you know my favorite noel sister solange is the musical director and then sort of you know in charge of music on um Insecure. insecure and it's the same thing where where I, I i agree with you and i think this is a testament to these creators sort of you know you know holistically looking at this thing yeah and saying that each piece mm-hmm. is just as important and each piece has to you you know kind of back up each other and support each other and complement each other but mm-hmm. you can pull out the piece by itself and appreciate like i said you know about queen sugar you can you can turn the sound off and look at it but in a lot of ways you can turn the picture down yeah and just listen to the music yeah and listen to the dialogue and listen so absolutely i agree with you how much um props you have to hold out give to you know you have somebody like baz larman who has you know he's had opportunities thrown at his feet yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Stuff that he can choose from. And Ava DuVernay, with the explosion of Selma, certainly has been getting her share of projects sure. coming her way. It wasn't always like that. No, 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 no. But, you know, Selma was, what, maybe two years ago now? I think so. So, you know, she's she's been making it. But somebody like Donald Glover, yeah, who has been... Uh, Staunchly been, you know, uh, 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 um, very protective of his voice. Yeah, and 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 in the thing, and very selective about the things that he has done. Yeah, you know. Now, mind you, he's also had the platform of being on television for right, a number right. of years on and, on Community on Community. So he had that holding him down, 
but th- and that allowed him to be, you know, gave right. him a little bit of leeway to be more selective. Childish Gambino probably helped pay some bills. It certainly did. So you know, certainly that, that, did. You know, certainly did. Um, but he's been protective about his voice, about what he wanted to do after Community, and 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 um, you know, wanting to do it his way. Right. And um, and it certainly doesn't help that he found a home on FX, which has for probably for like the, almost like the last ten years, maybe yeah, maybe even a little longer, has become like a home for creatives. Yeah, who want to have something that is distinctly in their voice. Yeah, you know, yeah. even um, most recently as seen with Louis C.K. Yeah, and then certainly Atlanta seems like it right, is almost that, a successor. Right. And props to to off uh, to Ava and and um, and to Donald and to Chio uh, Coker, the, um, the oh lead, yeah uh, the the lead voice. In Luke Cage, right? Um, but you've got to get immense props to Issa Rae. Oh yeah, who was had her the the awkward black girl? Yeah, as a web series. Yes, and as which had, I loved, and has had offers come her way left and right. Yeah, but all of them wanted to just strip away more. Yeah. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. More of her voice. Yeah. And for her to have the the fortitude yeah. to turn down probably what wasn't a, a um you know they weren't backing up the Brinks truck but they was backing up a Brink truck yeah they were backing up a truck of yeah. money to her right for her to turn that down yeah because she knew it's like no it I know what you want is what I want to give you, but what you want me to give you is not it. Well, you know, again, back to what I said, I, I think, you know, it's, 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 it's an amazingly low bar, but it's, it, it's, dare I say, revolutionary to have these two characters. You have Issa Rae and you have Molly played by, um, oh. what's the sister's name that plays Molly? Binge Lounge is real freewheeling. <laughs> Very free. <laughs> I don't have no notes. Which you know is unlike usually this. top of the head. It's top of the head to bench lounge. <laughs> so I just call her Molly. I know that's not her name. Cause I don't have it in front of me. Give me a moment. Kiss my ass. <laughs> you listen to the Michelle mission if you want notes. 
Why doesn't he have it written in front of him? Did, did he not know? No, I didn't know I was going to call out like that. I'm talking about how revolutionary it is to have two brown women on the screen a lot. I know she had a web series. Yes. You still haven't found it, Lynn? No. How hard is it to look up Issa Rae Insecure and then look at the IMDb page? I like, Molly got to be like the second person. Well, she, she's not. Who's the second person? It's, is it Blue? It's Lawrence. Yeah, I call him Blue. See, <laughs> I call him Blue. Because that was his name on the last season of, um, what was the, what's that football show? Um, oh, uh, um, uh, oh, God. I know which one you're talking about. The game? The game. The game. The game. He was on the last couple of seasons of the game. His name was Blue. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about No, Molly. you just found Molly's name, No, please. I found her. What's her name? Her, her name is y- Yvonne Orgy. Yvonne Orgy. I think Yvonne Orgy and Issa Rae and having those two characters. And I know I've read interviews where Issa Rae has talked about, as you were saying, you know, some of the notes that she got is that they, I mean, they basically wanted more white faces. Yes. And I know there was actually some push and pull about who played Molly's character. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you have her name again, Yvonne Orgy. Yvonne Orgy and Issa Rae on the screen together, two dark brown women mm-hmm. who have starring roles, who have this friendship with each other, is revolutionary. Yes, it is. You know? So I, I agree with you whole and like you said, Issa Rae, if you compare her to um the other creators that we're talking about, didn't necessarily have that cushion. No. Not at all. Like, you know, Julie Dash got one shot. And I'm sure that's got to go through your head when you're a creative. And certainly when you're a woman, when you're a black woman, mm-hmm. like, how are you not haunted by Julie Dash? The the writer, producer, and director of Daughters of the Dust. Period. Right. That's the shame of it. Right. Not Daughters of the Dust and, and you know, Cassie Lemons. Who has certainly not worked as much as she should. No, she has not. No, she has not. Gina Blythe. Gina, Gina Blythe uh, uh, Yeah, Gina Blythewood certainly has not worked as much as she should. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you Issa Rae, you 28. HBO says, why don't you have a white girl as your friend? And like you said, you, for you to believe in your vision and believe in yourself enough to say no. And then, it, you know, it's It's beautiful. It is, it, it it is, it's just it. Um, you know, you shouted out Yvonne, or, or Yvonne Orgy, uh, on this show. Who and the reason why I couldn't find her is because when you you Google like insecure cast, not only is she not the second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth name. How how is that possible? When her name does come up, which is. The 10th name. Why are they so disrespectful to Molly? Not only that, there's no picture. See. <laughs> it's no picture. It's only because of the articles underneath that's that I know. Real and, disrespectful. And, and then I see her name. That's real disrespectful. But, uh, there's, that's there's real disrespectful, internet. Well, that may speak, that may speak to her, 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 uh, her youth in the game. Right, right, you right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, th- I think that's... Yeah, what was the name of her web series? It was Saltfish and... Um, 
Of whose web series? Damn, I forgot her name again. I'm just call her Molly. Molly's? Uh, I don't know of her web series. Yeah, because she comes from that world as well. She was, uh, I'm looking at her, I'm looking her up on IMDb. This is the, it's the Yvonne Orgy show. Lady. It's the Yvonne Orgy show, yes. Um, let's see. She is, uh, in Insecure. She did, uh, Love That Girl, which was a TV series. She did, um, Sex Therapy with the Joneses, which was a short, the conversation talk show series, which was a TV movie. Um, I'm not seeing web series, at least not on her IMDb here. I thought, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's from the, uh, uh, uh let me, let, let, let's, let's, let's dig into the world of Yvonne uh, Orgy. Yvonne Orgy. Let's look, let's, let's go on her Twitter. Let's go on her Twitter. Can't you just Google it? I'm go- I'm, go- I'm on Google. I'm on Google. Should I look up Yvonne Orgy web, web spell, series? Spell her name. Yvonne. O-R-J-I. Oh, well, let's see. She was the creator of the first gen show. I'm I'm looking here, Vince. I don't see anything about We're having fun looking up Yvonne Orgy. It's all about you, girl. Because we like you. We're doing this because we like we, we like you. We're loving you. We're loving you on Insecure. I don't see anything about a web series. Vince, I'm sorry. Are we going to continue to sort? No, 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 no. I mean, no, no. No, go on, go on, go on. It's fascinating. No, no, no. Fortunately, this won't be on the radio. No, 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 no. I could have sworn that she was awesome, but no, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Um, but we're shouting her out. Let's shout out some of the some of the other actors on these shows because. For a lot of these actors, this is um, accounts to it has it has to account for like like just um, they hit the mother load because yeah. to have you know yes you've got a TV series yes but to be working with such rich material yes it's not the norm yes in TV and whereas you have something like Blackish which. We should shout out, which is which is a very cool show. It's a very cool show, but it's filled with faces that you know. Yeah. Anthony Anderson. <laughs> I gotta tell you something. Like, like you know what's weird to me about Blackish? Like of all the shows that we're talking about, Blackish is the one that I think like white people that sort of like run of the mill kind of like I watch Modern Family mm-hmm. in the middle. In in the middle, but then I also watch Blackish. Like you know, it kind of throws me a little bit. It's like, oh, it's blackish letting our secrets out. Like, like I figure if, if you're white and you watch Atlanta, you must be real, real down. So that's all right. Right. But like blackish is on ABC. Hmm. Like, you know, people in the middle of America watch blackish and blackish gets real black sometimes. It does. So I feel a little open. Like I feel I feel open when I see stuff on blackish. Yeah. Um. But as I was going to say, like Blackish does feature some shows that we've, um, you know, stars that we've seen before. Anthony oh, yeah. Anderson, Lawrence Fishburne. Tracy Ellis, American Treasure. I know you believe so. Jennifer Lewis. Uh, American Treasure. An American Treasure. Yes. So, you know. Uh, but for, on these other shows that we're mentioning, 
you have some faces, some faces you've seen before, but certainly not, you know, it, to to the degree that you've seen Anthony Anderson or or, or Lawrence Fishburne or anything like that. Rutina Wesley, she was a, she was you know maybe fifth, sixth, seventh build on the dumbass vampire on, show. Yeah, on that on that dumbass show. Um, here she's allowed to shine. Yes, she's a, she's um, she's really given material to yes. work with. You know, she's luminescent. Oh my God, is she? Um, we talked about uh, Dontre Whitfield. Yes, and, and his- Robert. You like that, right? That's from the episode of the Cosby Show with Stevie Wonder, and he sampled Vanessa's voice. Yes, and she said Robert, and he said Robert. Um, we don't ignore, don't ignore my Cosby Show stuff. I'm not, but don't ignore that. Let's come into the 2000s. Okay, I'm just saying. And um, talk about uh, Tina Lit- uh, Lifford. Yes, Lifford. Yes, who plays? Who um, I I actually think she steals the show on here. She actually plays uh, Violet. Mm, Aunt Va. Yeah, <laughs> I like Aunt Va. Yeah, she she uh, she does some work on here, on here. She and but I also think I also like Dawn Dawn Lynn Gardner who plays uh, Charlie. Yes, Charlie. Yes. Um, who, who who to me I, I, this is purely. Completely an ensemble, yeah. Show. Oh, yeah. But to me, for some reason, she she kind of like stands out as like the star. Well, you know, it, you know, it's based on a novel, yes. and I've not read the novel, but but I remember when they were when all of the um publicity was coming out about the show. Mm-hmm. They said the show was about a woman going back to her family's farm. Yes, and you know everything. So I think. In a lot of ways, Charlie was maybe supposed to be the protagonist, and I think she might be the protagonist in the novel. Okay, but you know, like like that, like you said, it is very much an ensemble ensemble piece, and whether or not that's from the adaptation or maybe the book, kind of. But I can see, and I, I, you know, I love Charlie's character. Like I love the fact that I didn't think I was going to like Charlie. Yeah, and then I did like Charlie. Which I think is which I think is uh, um, the right feeling because mm-hmm. I think she is again a credit to the writing written to be that complex right that that for lack of a better word bitch right who but you know she's still I roll with her right you know what I mean and she's you know sort of you know I think the thing about Nova. Is that Nova is sort of presented as this kind of revolutionary and this, but she got some shit with her. She got, I think that's the technical term. She got some shit with her. She got some shit with her. She got, she's a hypocrite and, and she is morally ambiguous. She's a thief. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she is. She's a thief. I don't care what you are morally ambiguous. Well, you know, also she was sleeping with a married man and, you know. And she'd be selling weed. <laughs> she the weed man. Right. She she she, she sell weed. She a thief. You know, I got cousins like that. I got aunts. <laughs> so you know. I know a couple of grandmothers. <laughs> 
But yeah, you're right. Go get my box, baby. Oh. (laughs) So yes, the complexity of of the characters. Absolutely. And let me give a shout out. Let me give a shout out because I never thought in the world that I would say this. Because I didn't think much of her as an actress. Okay. At all. Okay. But Ava DuVernay, she's lined up quite a talent of directors on this on Queen Sugar mm-hmm. the, all the episodes directed by women yes with the first two directed by Ava herself and then she has uh, So Young Kim, Victoria Mahoney Nima Barnett there are two episodes yes that are directed by Sally Richardson Whitfield that's right Sally I apologize for everything I have ever thought about you. Why have you said bad things about Sally Richardson? Because I've only known Sally Richardson as an actress. And as an actress, I thought she was a beautiful woman. (laughs) You know what she was good in? Talking about this renaissance. And I know we kind of are centering on these four. but And, you know, we've kind of name-checked some things around Mm -hmm. the periphery. Mm -hmm. Mar Brock Akeel's work on Being Mary Jane... Oh, okay. another show. Okay, that you know, is, I've not is, watched that show. It's another one of them shows where it's like I think it it gets a little bit too real, too real. Like me, being Mary Jane gets real. Like being Mary Jane is sort of like the successor to Girlfriends. Okay, I mean literally the successor to Girlfriend, and there like some of the stuff on there, like you know, I've you know, is I think it gets a little bit too real. Really? And Sally Richardson Whitfield played the wife of one of the characters okay. on Being Mary Jane the first season. And she was very good. And she was very good. And and I think I will say this about this is my read of Sally Richardson Whitfield's acting career. I think that she had what I used to call the Brad Pitt problem. Too good looking. She was too good. Like like I think if you look at Sally Richardson back in the in the 90s mm-hmm. she i mean like Low down dirty shame she didn't even look like a human being no she didn't. like how are you a human being and you yeah. look like this i feel I, and okay. okay so she went from kind of almost otherworldly like that uncanny valley like i can't even really like you're like cgi or something yeah yeah to she's gotten just old enough that she's just beautiful mm-hmm. and it works okay so you know, I've, like I said, she was in being married. She was in being married, Jane. I've seen her a couple other places. She's kind of popped up. Okay, and it's like okay, it looks like Sally Richardson is, is Sally Richardson Whitfield because that's that woman's name. Yes, and it is. Apparently, Robert don't put the he don't, he don't just put the words on you on TV. <laughs> I think Robert's got Robert got some words with him. Robert got some words. Yeah, he got a whisper. So you know, salute. But um. <laughs> I mean, you know, real recognize real. I, you yeah, know, well, real recognize real. She got some skills behind the camera. Yes, she has so, some skills. So, she has yeah. an eye. So I, I applaud her. I applaud all, all of the women. Cat Chandler. I, I applaud all of the women. Uh, um, the, the direction of Queen Sugar. It, it, it's, um, it really is just a wow. It's just a, a really great series. Yeah, with yeah. Some powerful moments. And you know, and we're sitting here on these four. Like you say, would you say we're centering on these we're four. centering on the four? But you know, like 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 we said, and and you know, I, I talked. We, we were talking before. Like, I almost feel bad 
that Queen Sugar is now the prestige show on own because another show that I like that I would say is is basically a soap opera but it's also very good Greenleaf See now, like Greenleaf got lost in the shuffle once Queen Sugar came on and just uh, stole a stunt and and Greenleaf is you know I think Lynn Whitfield is maybe having the performance of her career on Greenleaf okay Keith David is a beast on Greenleaf as sort of the patriarch of this family. He's Goliath. He's Goliath, but he's also, you know, again, Keith David and his nerd bona fides, but you forget, like, Keith David is an actor. Yes, he is. So that, you you know, and and it's it's one of these shows where it's like you're talking about something that's supposed to center on one character and then the other character, you know, Greenleaf, sort of the prodigal daughter comes home. Mm-hmm. And then there are all these, you know, she's dealing with her her siblings and her parents, and Lynn Whitfield and Keith David play her parents, mm-hmm. and you can tell by the way the the plot is kind of situated that the parents were kind of supposed to be supporting characters. Okay. Every moment they're on the screen, they they just suck all of the oxygen and all of the color and all of the sound from everybody else on the on the screen. Really? And you know, as you go from the first episode to the last episode, you know, I suspect that people were getting that so that their roles got bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. So that, you know. But like I said, is it as good as Queen Sugar? No. But I don't know if anything's as good as Queen Sugar. It's still really good. So I just wanted to shout out Greenleaf. Oh, well, and you know, Shout it out. Shout it out. Um, isn't uh I think Oprah has like a small role in that, doesn't she? Yeah, she plays <laughs> she plays the aunt. I actually said when I was watching, I didn't realize I've been waiting my entire life to see Oprah play the low down aunt. <laughs> like the low down trashy aunt. Like she <laughs> like she got a bar. Like Oprah Oprah been playing old ladies her whole career. And I ain't really like I don't really go in for all that Oprah. Mm-hmm. But Oprah as the slick talking aunt, oh, I could watch a spinoff of that show. Okay, like I wish Oprah wasn't a billionaire so she could just have be on this show every episode. Well, I know this is the one that she puts her money behind because she's like one of the. I know that's right of, of uh, Greenleaf. I haven't watched Greenleaf yet, but I it's will good. Give it a shot. It's it's it a it's it's a, it's a real good show. I mean, you know, I, I I don't I wouldn't elevate it to you know like Queen these sugar status these the and then you know you know or or Luke Cage or or, Luke or, Cage. or Atlanta or like you know these sort of singular visions yeah but I think Greenleaf is is sort of a, a transitional show between these shows we're talking about and you know the the shows that Tyler Perry has on like it's better than the Tyler Perry shows it, but doesn't quite reach the heights. Of Queen Sugar. Better than Power? Because Power has a lot of fans. I have never watched an episode of Power. Well, you are you're lucky. I mean, you I've know. watched Power. I've not, I've not enjoyed Power. Hey, man. I've not enjoyed Power at all. You know, I am a... Um, what's my man's name? Because he was also on Girlfriends. He was in Middle of Nowhere. Omari, Omari Hardwick. Yeah. I'm an Omari Hardwick fan. Yeah, but, you know. He's not bad. I ain't watching Power. Yeah, I just don't have enough time. It's just not enough time in the day. Like, I ain't knocking power. Like, I was watching Empire. But, like, I realized that, like, 
you know how you had your DVR and it says, you know, you save five episodes or you save seven episodes, you save nine episodes. And how long do you want to keep them? Yeah. And I realized, like, I've not watched an episode of Empire for like a season and a half. Oh, wow. But it's like, you know how maybe it's just me. So like, like, it's like a huge commitment to actually take it off of the DVR, <laughs> like yes. to actually say I'm not taping it anymore. Right, right, right. So it's like that Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I had these shows that I haven't watched in like a year and a half, but yeah. I don't want to say I don't watch them anymore. You know, the real husbands of Hollywood. Like I have them on the DVR, but I haven't watched them in like a year. Right, right, right. That's where I am with Empire. So, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, I don't watch Power because Power is a shitty show and I don't watch shitty shows. I mean, I don't know nothing about Power. Like you said, people seem to like it. People seem to like it. I don't watch Power. I like Amari Hardwick. I like Amari Hardwick. I don't watch Power. I don't. I've, I haven't watched Empire since the second episode. Right, right. I was right. done with that. Right, right. Um, and I've just, I've held out room for you know the quality stuff what i consider what i consider the quality no, stuff so no, let me no. put it that it's, way it's only so many hours in it's the all day. very subjective it's only so many hours in the day and i've i am just like man you said something about um atlanta that i think is true about all almost all of these series if they tied a bow on the season that they have presented right now, yes, I would be extremely happy. More so, like they ain't making no more. Right? If they yeah. didn't make any more, yeah, I would be. Ex- I'd be fine. Yeah, I, I'd I'd be a happy camper. Yeah. and this would be just a cherished co- um, piece of my collection. Uh, the only thing I disagree about them with all of them except Atlanta. I feel like there's still more story to tell. Yeah. Like I feel like the, like like the 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 conclusion of the season finale of Atlanta was perfect. Like yeah. when you look at the first scene in the first episode yeah. to the last scene of the last episode, mm-hmm. you get this complete mm-hmm. self-contained arc. Yeah. And it's perfect. Yeah. And and every episode in between, you know, is damn near like an anthology, like a loosely connected anthology, I thought was perfect. Yeah. Queen Sugar is just revving up. Like you can tell Queen Sugar that was just sort of the um sort of the um what is it when the when the symphony the overture. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell this is just the overture and they, yeah, about they just to, getting started. Like it's it's really about to, and you know, Luke Cage, I mean, you know, Luke Cage, it, you know, spoiler, Luke Cage ends with Luke Cage having to leave Harlem to take care of some stuff, which can I say this? And if we hadn't been sitting with Simone Mystic for 37 hours, like if we had sat with her for 38 hours, I would have brought this up. I'm fascinated by the decision on Luke Cage to make Luke Cage not from Harlem like he was in the comics. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that choice changed Luke Cage his character in a really interesting way. Like the fact that he chooses to kind of be the protector of of Harlem and he kind of chooses to stay here when he's you know he's been on the run 
and that he's not from her. Like in like a lot, he doesn't feel like it's like his birthright or something. Right. Like in a lot of ways, they moved those sort of comic book attributes from him to Misty Knight. They do. Like so much of Misty Knight is Harlem. Mm-hmm. You know, she knows pops. She, you know, her initials are on the on the basketball court. You know, she's from this place, and I thought that was such a fascinating choice to to give those attributes to the female character. Yeah. And again, so that Misty Knight is Harlem, mm-hmm. and Luke Cage chooses Harlem. Right. So I just I, I need to get that. Like I said, we were sitting there, and but. but Simone, we had to go. It was, it, it yeah, got to the point. So, but anyway, yes, I wanted to shout out. We're talking about the the, the actors, and we've talked uh, touched on a lot of the actors in a, um, all of these shows. But there's an actor in Atlanta that I want to shout out. Who? Which one? Paperboy. <laughs> Brian Tyree Henry. Brian Tyree Henry. He is. He is. Gary Good. Yeah. In this series. Yeah. Man. He is. I mean, everybody is good. Yeah, because Darius, Darius played K- by uh, Keith Sandfield. Keith, Keith Sandfield also. He's he he's he is he is he's incredible. He's he's a nut. Yeah. That's what he is. But but Paperboy in a role admitted that easily could have just been very one note. Yes. Or uh, and easily could have been played played um, one way or the other for laughs or for deep seriousness. He, there are scenes. There are there are scenes in this show where he's not saying anything for ten minutes. He he handles silence so well, so well, man. Yeah, I mean he is doing. And shout out to and shout out to Donald Glover in a show that is distinctly one hundred percent his voice. Yes, and he is legitimately the star of this show. Yes, yet he shares. He's very generous. So much, yeah, with Brian, yeah, in this in this show, even in the episode that is all about. Um, uh, Donald's character trying to get paid from the club dude. Yeah, and and that sh- and that that episode. Oh, what it, an episode! It's all Donald for the most yeah. part. But then paper and Paperboy's got Paperboy's like the B story. Him yeah. sitting off with the chick. Yeah, and and even that is played with so so much nuance and 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 um reality. Yeah, in that and. Um, so that you're you're feeling for him there, but then he rem- he reminds you that he's paper boy at yes. the end of that episode yes. where he gotta go paper boy. Yes, he gotta go brother pa- and get my money and get my money. That's right. And you're still with him. Hey. You are so with him throughout this entire show. Yeah, absolutely, and absolutely. Donald trusts him so much that he turns over one episode when he's on the talk show. Yeah. All to Brian. Yeah. Yeah. And he crushes it. Yeah. You know, I, I talked about the female friendship on Insecure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, how much, like, like how much, how much do I love seeing these three black men 
Yes. Like how much does that like the, the sort of that 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 sort of deep velvety just sort of familiar taste as a black man. Yeah. With very close black male friends. Mhm. And to see this reflected on the screen. Yeah. So accurately. Yeah. And so fully formed and so comfortably. Yeah. Like if you had told me that these three men had grown up together, like the actors, if if you told me these three actors had grown up together, I would completely believe it because, you know, again, we, we, we talked about this, you know, when we talked about, um, why did I get married? And the, the film, Why Did I Get Married? And how inauthentic these yeah. male friendships were. In my theory, my theory, I don't know, I never met the man, where I suspect Tyler Perry never had male friends. And he never had a squad. Right. Donald Glover's depiction is so real. Mm-hmm. And again, so lived in. That if if he doesn't, if Donald Glover did not have a crew, then he's one of the greatest sort of creators I've ever seen because this, I mean this, 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 this was me and my boys when we were twenty. Yeah, like this is so, and and I love that so much. You know this this so took me back when you know going back in my way back when I used to rap, <laughs> and and it was me and my boy Jay, mm-hmm. and we had a crew. And when I think about the crew that we had, our crew was me, Jay, we were the rappers. We had our man, Scotty, who was our DJ, who I knew from college. But then the rest of our crew was, was Jay's, friend, or Jay's cousin, Len, who shared my name. Right. Len's best friend, Jamil. Yeah. And uh, Jamil's best friend, Cliff. Yes. And a guy named Calvin, who Jay happened to work with at the time that we were building this rap group. Right. And in the span of a summer, those five guys became like my best friends in the world. Yes. And deep-rooted friends. Yes. So much so that the guy that worked at an ice cream counter with my rap partner, who I had known at that point for like about five, seven years, and I had just met this guy, that guy is now my very best friend in the world. Yo, yeah. Fast forward to the episode where Donald and uh, Darius are out and about trying... because. Donald's trying to sell this phone. Yes. And Darius tells him, yo, man, we can flip yes. it and make more money. Yes. And he takes them through all these shenanigans about, about how to make some money. And the, the the this is probably, of all the episodes, the most arch for comedy episode of them all. And you're with it. And you're laughing. You're laughing right, your right, head right. off the whole time. And then at the end of the episode, you know, they're they're getting into the car and Darius kind of just gives a a look away and he says, looks at Donald and is like, we're friends now. Yes. Completely accurate. It was 100% accurate. 
Decimand shit. Yes. Because because the second he says that you were you will remember they just met they just met that's and right you, and on the first episode you know Paperboy is Donald's same cousin. thing same thing one of my best friends same thing is it's like we were friends you go through this adventure together at the, on the other end now y'all really friends yeah it's it it really is and and again like you said and and. It's something, and 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 you know, it's 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 there there there's something very specific about young black manhood, mm-hmm. where it is it it is this it's almost hyper realistic. Like I love the fact that violence is always right out of sight, You're, or the periphery. Like because I like you remember being in places, mm-hmm. and you know. Either you you ran out the club because somebody started shooting, or there was it was always in the air. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. and and not because you were you know thugging or you were you, like you weren't in you know it wasn't like no South Central, but but it was just it was just in the air, and I think it did it made things hyper. Yep, like hyper real and mm-hmm. and hyper and and you did you made these friends in this world. And they became, they were fast friends, but it was it was real, and it happened quickly. But it was real, and and you know, you and I have been blessed to live long enough that you know it was true, right? So that you know, now these people are you know godparents to my children, and and you know, and in each other's weddings, and you talk to each other, and you know, you kind of date, and you get married, and you have kids, everything I just said. But the foundation of that relationship was stuff like this, yeah. You know, so absolutely, absolutely. So it's a good time to be good time to be watching some TV. It's a good time to be watching some TV. So so moving forward, we'll 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 focus on single things. This is sort of an overview. Yeah, you know, we're like you know like at one twenty. Time to shut it down. Mm-hmm. But this is what the binge sound is going to be, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to sit here and we're going to talk. We're going to talk about TV. We're going to talk about TV, and then you know maybe you go off, or you know there's a little tri- tributary that goes off. Like we, we talk about comics a little bit. Yeah, talk about comics because we comic dudes. Well, of course, all day, all, <laughs> all so, day, every day. So there you go. You know. So we hope that you enjoyed the binge lounge. Right, Please, right, right, right. if you have a suggestion, yeah, of a topic you want to see us. Um, uh, toss around here. Uh, email us at michellemission at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter or on Facebook at michellemission or at Mission Michelle on Twitter at michellemission or on Facebook. Um, and uh, by all means, go check out these shows. Queen Sugar is available on OWN, it's on the OWN network. Yes. Um, Atlanta is on FX. Yes, uh, they just concluded their season, but you could probably find it like on demand. I mean, you find it. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Luke Cage is all thirteen episodes Ooh. are there for the for the viewing on Netflix. Yes, and then you have Insecure. Insecure. I've actually Issa Rae has been popping up on my timeline. It's something going on where you can watch all the episodes on HBO Go. Oh yeah, yeah. You yes. can watch them like I, but but I think like for free. Like if you oh, don't really? have a subscription, I think they're running something right now where you can just click and watch it. Oh, go check it out. Yeah, it's, so it, definitely check out Insecure. Yeah, it's uh 
right now I think it's up to like maybe like the eighth or ninth episode. Yeah. So it's a nine episodes. Of yeah. Season finale I think is either next week or the week. If they take the week off, it would be the, the week after. Week. Yeah. Yeah, so now's the time to catch up. Binge Insecure. Because that's what I'm going to do this weekend. Yeah. I'm going to binge Insecure. Very I'm nice. Watch me some Greenleaf. Watch Greenleaf. I, I, watch I, I like Greenleaf a lot. Greenleaf. I like I like I like Keith David. I love myself some Keith David. I love Oprah Winfrey. And Lynn Whitfield is 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 I'm I, I will give it a chance. Lynn Whitfield is channeling every older southern black woman i've ever known in my entire life which is all the women in my family so now here's an lynn whitfield i i, I adore her and here's this. an interesting piece of homework for for next month for okay. december's binge lounge yes i will watch greenleaf which i understand it's about like has something to do with it's a mega church yeah it's a mega church right? and there's a show and i believe it's on either bounce or tv one uh, that's also about a church, and it's uh, um, oh man, it stars my man from who's the who's the bad guy in now I'm drawing a blank on the on the, on the movie, the Lorenz Tate bank robber movie. Oh, dead president, dead president, the bad guy in that, the pimp that turns out his is uh, his old lady. Oh, he's he's the bad guy in every movie. Oh, you mean uh the dude who played the 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 dude who played the drug dealer in Rock? You used to call Rock Trash Man. Yes. 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 Yeah, oh yeah. Ooh, that's right. He was in Rock. I forgot all about that. What's going on, Trash Man? Yeah, what's going on, Trash Man? And Heavy D killed him. Wow, he sure did, didn't he? And then and Rock had to take care of Heavy <laughs> D's daughter played by Kim Fields' younger sister. Wow, mm-hmm. Jesus! I think that I, I think that may have been. The, I loved was, rock. I was a rock dude. I was a rock I was a fan. rock dude. I was a rock fan. I didn't finish rock, but I, I did. I did it's it's rock. funny. We were just we we were my, we were talking earlier this week. I, I mentioned it on the last show. My my daughter is obsessed with mm-hmm. Hamilton. So you know, me and my wife, being good parents, said you know maybe you know birthdays in January. We we'll see if we can find some tickets. For mm-hmm. Hamilton, mm-hmm. and them Hamilton tickets, I think started at like uh, like eight hundred dollars. So then we said, okay, we we'll had to do something else instead of Hamilton. But we were mm-hmm. talking about how like all the cast members had left, and I said, you know, in a lot of ways, the people who replaced the original cast members, mm-hmm. like imagine what they had to go through to get that role. So it's like the dude who wants to play Lafayette probably had to fight. 30,000 other dudes who can rap and sing and dance with a French accent. So he's probably super duper good. You know, not necessarily as good as the original dude. But I was saying all that just to get back to rock. When I was in college, we uh, I was in a class and we, we, we was, it was like a, a, a black literature class. And we went to see Fences. And we saw the production that James Earl Jones was in. Like we actually saw the James Earl Jones production. When we went, James Earl Jones was sick. His understudy was Charles Dutton. Oh wow! wow. So the so the first time I saw Rock on uh, I saw Fences on stage was with Charles was with Charles Dutton, and that's how I kind of knew his name. And it was it was a production where all of the other people in Rock, 
Mm-hmm. Like, like I forget the the brother's name that plays his brother and his father. Was it a Rocky uh, Carroll? Rocky Dunbar. Rocky. Okay. Yeah, Rocky Dunbar was in this production, and so was the guy who played his father. So, like, I saw the cast of Rock mm. in Fences. Okay. And it was amazing. So I can imagine. So I'm a Rock dude. Like, I loved Rock, and you know, it's from Baltimore, and I'm Baltimore. The the actor that I'm thinking of is Clifton Powell. Clifton Powell, that's right. Yeah, because he's always a bad guy. Because he was a bad he was a bad guy in Ray. He was a bad guy. In he was Ray. a bad guy in Menace to Society. He was a bad guy in Menace to Society. He was kind of a bad guy in Next Friday, but Pinky was more of a bad guy. With Pinky the heart was more of the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was like Sweet Daddy in Good Times. So the the series is actually on Bounce, the Bounce Network, and it's called Saints and Sinners. I don't think I get Bounce. You don't get bounce? Yeah, because we have Fios. I don't think we get bounce on Fios. Uh, I think you do. Maybe you do. It must be on a weird state, a it, weird it, channel. But you want me to watch it? See if you can't find to watch at least, let's say, but my next month, like, okay. two, three episodes. I like Clifton Powell. Two, three episodes of Saints and Sinners. Okay. I'm watched. I'm gonna watch two or three episodes of this too. Of Greenleaf. Oh. Of, of Greenleaf. Oh yeah. No. But you watch Saints, and I'm gonna watch Saints and Sinners too. Okay. Because I have a funny feeling because they're both kind of about the same thing. Right. 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 So, you know, what does one get right and one not get right? Right. Right. About right. this world, since right. they're both set in the oh, same. World. And and I'm assuming are, are you are you familiar with Mega Church World? Yes. Are you really? Unfortunately. Well, I'm not. You're not? No. You don't know about the Creflo? No, no, no. I, that's it familiar as if were you a member and did you go and... I, I was, mean, I know what they are. I was a member at one time of a church that aspired. No, no, no. Well, I've done that. I've been part of that. But I thought, you know, maybe I, like, I don't know. Well, I don't know what you're asking. I think what's interesting to me, because, you know, obviously I'm not a millennial living in Atlanta trying to aspire towards having a rap career, nor am I a millennial in L.A. trying to figure out things. But from the outside looking in, I feel like there's an authenticity there. Right. So I was wondering what I was really wondering, you know, these do these things feel real to you? Oh, oh well. See, I I I haven't seen Greenleaf. So okay, I can't say yeah. And Saints of Sinners, I've only caught glimpses of. Okay, I mean, I watch it, and the glimpses that I've seen, they don't seem authentic. Right. Um. They. I, I'll speak to what they. Right, right. They don't seem authentic to me. Um. But I, I could be wrong. I am an escaped convict that went through an experimental procedure and then I was in Hodden in Harlem. So that was very real. Like that was perfectly representative of what I went through. I would just be curious to to see since they're both kind of like set in the same Sure, world, sure, sure, church how, yeah. they, how they, you know, mega church world. Sure. Yeah, compare and All what right. they have to say about that. So Saints and Sinners. Saints and Sinners. And Greenleaf. Greenleaf. That's our homework. That's our homework. For December's binge lounge. There we go. So that also oh, we'll talk about this. So that's that's that'll be the episode. Yeah. Oh, that's I like that. Because yeah. I like, I, I'm very fond of Greenleaf. Like I said, I felt bad. Like, I feel bad for Greenleaf. Like, Greenleaf was good. And it kind of, like, Greenleaf kind of did his thing. And then here come Queen Sugar. Well, the the crazy thing, like you say, is like, you know, Queen Sugar steals all its gold. And then the only other thing that people know own for outside of the Queen Sugar is the Tyler, Tyler Perry stuff. Tyler Perry stuff. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So, 
But you know, but you know, look, Oprah's in there. Hey man. They ain't going. They ain't going no. Well, it got renewed. It got renewed. But I think so I told you. Thought you, that, yeah. you thought there was a question. Well, if you listen to some of the ep- the earlier episodes of the Michelle Mission, leading up to it, I I actually said a couple times like you know I taped Greenleaf you, mm-hmm. in DVR, and you know like you do in a DVR, you fast forward through all the commercials. I would get to the to the Queen Sugar commercials. In style, like I'd watch, like the Queen Sugar commercials were like little forty-five second movies. Yeah, very true. It was like, who? who I don't know what this Queen Sugar thing is, but it looks good as shit. I can't wait for this to come on. Like it was always the scene at uh, their father's funeral where the three of them were holding hands mm-hmm. and they were all in white. Mm-hmm. And they were playing like the, the Queen Sugar music. I said, "Oh, this look good as shit. This is gonna be good." So. You know what other show we can maybe talk about? And we we'll definitely save this for next oh, next month. All right. But a, a show that many people would have thought would have been in this conversation but didn't come up at all. What? Underground. <sighs> yeah. You, uh, Let's talk about it next month. I know. You know that's that part of that is my bad. You know, it's like like you kept we kept talking about Selma and I was sitting over here all feeling kind of sheepish because you know I haven't seen Selma. <laughs> no. You know, slaves and civil rights. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I know. I know. There's a reason why like black people in potato sacks and barefoot or black people in them little skinny ass ties. I have I know. I know. And there's more than one reason why the Roots remake did not. Oh, I know. Was not a hit. But but I actually watched the first maybe five episodes of Underground, and I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed every single episode. Wow. And then by the time the sixth episode came on, I think like the the flurry, of, like I think Greenleaf had start coming mm-hmm. on by then, and mm-hmm. then you you know like like once you start once you got to like the Renaissance was blooming, and then it was just full bloomed, and like everybody has their shoes on on these <laughs> other shows, and you know it's, it's <laughs> you're wrong. I'm just you're straight wrong. <laughs> Just saying, and you know, now we're living in the world where I got to keep my freedom papers close to my chest. <laughs> All this reckless eyeballing that I do to white folks, like I've been reckless eyeballing white folks my whole life. <laughs> now suddenly we living in a brand new world. We gonna make America great again. I gotta watch all that, and you know. So, all right, all right. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been uh, November's Binge Lounge. Uh, Hope you enjoy it. Email us. Let us know what you thought about it. (laughs) Let us know if we're wasting We're going to end on slave jokes. (laughs) Nice. That's nice. That's real fucking classy right there. Go out on a win. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So. (laughs) Well. We don't have no we don't have no sign off for the binge lounge. <laughs> Hubba double wubba. There you go, Lynn. Thank you. There you go. <laughs>